Thanks, Steve. We're just going to do the COVID mic share today. Um, because in my last act of rebellion, I'm wearing a dress. Um, because, you know, you're meant to wear, like, pants so that you can tuck that thing in. And I just didn't feel like that. So that's why we're sharing a mic. Anyway, um, it's lovely to see um, you guys today. And I'm actually not going to preach for very long. Um, because I really, I just want to take a moment to, you know, say a couple of important things. But um, we are at the moment in a series about the Acts Church. And I think we've all had a year where we've had time and space and margin to ask ourselves a lot of really important questions about everything ranging from school to um, how we spend our money to what we invest in and church and everything. And, you know, the Acts Church, I, I would just so love if each and every one of you could just go and read the book of Acts and just allow yourselves to be reminded um, of this incredible new thing that had happened with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how God just did something incredible with so little. And um, we stand here today because of that move. And so go and read the Acts Church and, and pay attention to where your heart goes on fire as you read it, because it could be something so unique for you in that story or in that character or that lesson. Um, so today we're going to look at Act 3. Um, me read this to you. Peter and John, um, sorry. Okay. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was kept being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. But the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold for you, but, what I, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising. When they realized he was the lame beggar that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. It's an incredible, miraculous story. And there are a few things that grabbed my attention that I just want to use as a launch pad for today. So first of all, um, let me pick it up at the beginning. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put there beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, Now, um, so that he could beg from people going in. Um, what is the beautiful gate? It was literally a beautiful gate. It was a gate outside the temple and it was astoundingly beautiful. But this beggar was smart um, because he knew that the culture of that day was that people who were believers, who had faith, who had experienced God, who had had their lives transformed by God, would express that in generosity. It was like an absolute given that they felt so blessed and so given so much by Jesus that the expression of their righteousness was actually generosity. And so he would sit there and was probably making a killing because he knew that these temple folk 
they, they just had a generosity that flowed out of him. So I think he was doing pretty well for himself there. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently. Now, you know, I've read this story so many times, but it's the first time I actually really saw that word intently. Um, it's, it's that moment of giving full attention. And giving full attention is actually an incredible act of love. You know, um, I heard somebody say that giving somebody your full attention is the most loving thing you can do in that moment. And so they say to this guy, they look at him intently. And I don't know about you guys. I mean, the need, the need out there is huge and great and tremendous. And so often it takes great courage and bravery to look at somebody in need intently. You know, I think so often we're so aware of what we feel we can't give that we kind of just shuffle past and try to avoid a moment. And this moment to actually just look at this man intently, to give full attention and to see him, and to kind of have that moment to put on a different set of eyes is an incredible thing. It, it says a lot about courage and humility and dignity and seeing the equality in the other. And Peter said, to this guy, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. You know, it's quite interesting to look intently at him and then to demand his attention back, to actually say like, you, you know, you're kind of only seeing me for my need, but look at me. I'm your brother standing here. I am a person in front of you. I'm not here simply to give you what you want. And so there's this moment where I just think a connection is established, a moment where there's two people from very different sets of circumstances looking at one another. And there's about to be a moment of kingdom breakout. Um, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. There's just so much to this point that I love. Um, we're so often focused on what it is that we don't have. And typically that's monetary or material. And we can run the risk of forgetting the most truly valuable things we have, um, the things that can change a destiny, things like kindness, things like the gift of our time or the gift of our talents, even just being there to listen to somebody. So I love that. I don't have money, but we, it goes on to say, but I have this. So there's this moment of looking intently, and uh, we can only imagine that he's looking at this beggar, that he's looking at him with God's eyes, with this awareness that he has something inside of him that is so much more beneficial than silver or gold. Um, recently, I did a workshop uh, with Partners Possibility, and this workshop was a two-day workshop called The Community of Belonging. And it, I just cannot explain what I saw and what I heard in those two days. But basically, this program is where um, you know, you partner with the principal and you go into school and you, you work out how to change the fabric of that school. So what happened um, in this day is that the guy who was facilitating the workshop shared a story actually of a school quite local um, in Stanger. And it's a non-fee-paying school, hundreds of kids. Um, I've now been into several of these schools and like there are classrooms with holes in the roofs. Um, you know, we, we can kind of look at our schools and, and think maybe that there's improvements to be made, but you have no idea what people are dealing with out there. 
And so they called together the parent body to have a, a community meeting. Um, and these parents, many of them, in fact, I think most of them were unemployed. And what they did is they got these people to sit around in circles and to write on a piece of paper what gift they have. Um, whatever it was, something inside of them that is a gift to the world. And um, so everybody wrote on a piece of paper. I think some people even probably needed help with, with writing what they wanted to say on the piece of paper. And then all of these pieces of paper were pooled and, you know, it came out that there were people who had gifts of gardening or gifts in security or gifts of poetry or gifts of music or, you know, just all these groups of gifts. And then those groups of gifts were put together. And I just want to share the one story, was um, a bunch of moms who were all unemployed, there were nine of them, but they each had the gift, a gift of being able to sew. And um, between them, they had a couple of machines, and they kind of went, what, in what way could the gift of sewing that we have do something for this school community? And so they started hatching plans, and yeah, they had a few machines, they had no fabric, they had no money, they had no finance, but they decided that they could start making the school uniforms for the school. So they went to the principal and said, could we do that? And he said, okay, cool, on condition that they will be excellent quality and that they won't be more than what people could buy in the shops. In fact, I'd like them to be cheaper. And I would also like it that the children who can't buy uniforms will be given through the profits of, you know, so it was like a wild plan. And... Um, and then they were like, well, now we need fabric, and we have no money for fabric. So they went to a local fabric store, and the man who's been working there in this family business for many, many years said, um, I, I just am not in a position to give you the fabric. Um, what, what can you give me? And then they said, okay, well, we can actually give you the word of the principal of the school. So he wrote a letter. This goes to the the uh, owner of the shop, and, and they said, we promise you that when we've sold these uniforms, um, and we will, there's a need, we will pay back the money. So he said, cool, and gave them the fabric. And these ladies sewed up a storm. But what was magical is that the community knew what these ladies were doing. And now they'd set up a little workshop of sewing in the school. And so then some of the guys who, who were a little bit more muscly and security conscious said, we, we don't want these machines to be stolen, so we're going to start serving as kind of voluntary um, security at night. So now the school, which had been vandalized, had security for free because the, the guys in the community are going, we want this to work and we don't want these machines to be broke, uh, stolen. And so that started to happen. And, and there was just this knock on, um, you know, the, the, the group of people who were singers would, would arrive sometimes and sing. And, and there was just people working in their gifts and their talents um, towards the flourishing of the school. Um, anyway, they made their first, first batch of uniforms and they had their first kids who were going to wear these uniforms and so they had an assembly and they invited the owner of the shop into this assembly. And, you know, he was just so blessed because he said he had never felt drawn into the community. He'd been, you know, in this community for so many years and now here he was being honoured in this assembly and there was this little business that was about to thrive and he was so touched by what he saw that he said... I don't want the money back for that first batch of uniforms. You guys can do with it what you will to, to develop this little business. And it has grown from strength to strength. And there's been a knock-on, like I said, of the school is now protected. People are proud of the school. They're going, this is a place that is making solutions. And um, it, it changed our community. And this has been done, similar stories, through about 1,500 schools through this program. So it's, it's amazing. But the, the point of the story... And sorry, one more thing is we did it ourselves in this workshop two weeks ago, and one of the teachers there said, I have 
a gift of poetry. I love to write poems. And on Wednesday afternoon, we visited a school where she had written a poem and taught the kids this beautiful poem about community and about them taking charge of their futures and not being victims to the circumstances they find themselves in. And I mean, there wasn't a dry eyes. We listened to these kids saying this poem that they are chanting as they walk around their lives, saying, we will change our story. Um, so I felt that this just is such a pertinent reminder to not focusing on the, what we don't have, but on what we do have, what gifts are inside of us. Some of you in this room have a gift of hospitality. Some have a car that could be used to lift people. Some have musical skills, poetry, painting, prophetic. There are gifts inside of you which are gifts from the kingdom that our Lord has put in there. So then it says, but I'll give you what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And so what we see here is that there was this gift far more valuable than silver and gold. And Peter and, um, Peter and John, they, they take this moment to go, what would the kingdom of heaven do here? They partner with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the best thing for this man. Now, I've just recently done an Alpha and given a lot of thought to how do you describe the Holy Spirit to people who've been dragged there by a girlfriend or a wife um, or a granny, and how do you explain this incredible power of the Holy Spirit without it sounding something like Christian Hogwarts or, um, you know, just super weird. And um, I really felt in that moment of explaining the work of the Holy Spirit that it's this moment of being fully present in the moment with the person in front of you and knowing this God who has transformed our lives. Most of you here have had a transformational with God or you're here searching for one. Um, I've told you this before, but for mine, it was at that moment of surrender when I first felt the Holy Spirit, it was a love that I'd never encountered before. And so when I'm thinking of what the Holy Spirit does, I know that it's healing, I know that it's deliverance, I know that it's um, restoration, but it's more than anything love. And so how do we take a step into that place of, of inviting the power of the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, to change a life or a situation in front of us? And if God indeed is the very source of love, there is a question that I actually have come across that I don't think, for me, this is my opinion and my experience does it better than to open the floodgates of that Holy Spirit working. And that is, what does love require of me? Dion knows this well. We've, we've done an incredible course with Andy Stanley where this is the question that he poses. What does love require of me? When you stand there and you go, God, you are the very source of love. It is your love that changes lives. And I'm looking at this person in front of me or this brother or sister beside me to access the power of the kingdom of God, to ask ourselves, God, what does your love require of me in this moment? What is the thing that this person needs? What is the thing, the gift that is going to serve them best? When I've watched over Alpha courses, you know, that's where people often have their very first Holy Spirit experience. You, I have so often, and maybe some of you have also seen this, you actually see people's appearance change. Um, people arrive sometimes looking somewhat dull and they leave just glowing. It's, it's an incredible thing to behold with your eyes. And um, there was one 
person who, um, we had this moment at the beginning of the Alpha Day of just saying, God wants to change something in your life. In the privacy of your own heart, tell him one thing that you want to change and trust him to do that. And we heard just this week that there was um, a woman who had incredible anxiety and fear about being in cars. Like, like getting into a car was like a, a massively difficult thing to do. And in the quietness of her heart that morning, she asked God to sort that out. And he did. She has absolutely delivered of that grip of fear that was so desperately affecting her life. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So what we see here is that there's this look and then this reaching out and then this transferal of the power of the kingdom into this man. He jumped up, he stood on his feet, and he began to walk. And of course, everybody knows what's happened. The community come rushing out and it's transformational. You can just imagine how many people would have been added to that story today. And then I love how it ends. They rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. These guys are like new besties. You know, it's just this incredible thing that has happened. So when we are able to acknowledge what we do have, when we're able to actually go, God, you have wired some stuff inside of me that is like DNA of the kingdom, that's when we're able to get up and get involved and do incredible things. I've seen that so much in this community, but I want to take a moment to, to talk about this, the beginning of this community. It exists, this North Coast olive tree exists because the Holy Spirit said it would. He started speaking to Bazi and Kimber about it and um, saying there will be an olive tree community in the North Coast. And um, I think for a while they carried that in their hearts before anybody else could actually imagine it to be true. Um, but when the Holy Spirit's doing something, he really confirms it. And so they knew it. And then without somebody else at Florida Road knowing it, a dear friend, Angelique, she had a very clear vision that there would be an olive tree church at the North Coast. And um, how she saw that was actually these rocks that she just knew um, she had seen as a child were very specific rocks from Salt Rock, and um, she knew that God was saying he would build a church there. Um, so there was this word here and a confirmation there, and Kimber and Byron looked at a group of people around them. They looked at them intently, with intentionality, and they knew what they needed. And um, they said, I don't have silver or gold. I don't have a church, but I do have a lounge. <laughs> and so that's where this began. And they bullied some, they pulled others in. But what Kim's and Bazi had was faith and belief and courage and a sense of something that God wanted to do. And they did it. And so soon there was a group of about 30 or 40 of these wild North Coasters who would drive through to every Sunday morning and explode in the doors. I must be honest and tell you that the other communities were jealous of what was going on here because it was like an act church. There was just gatherings and homes where faith was being built, there was healing taking place, there was singing, and, and God was doing something new. And um, so with what they had, they just said, we have these treasures of the kingdom, and let's see what God does. And we're here as a result. Um, so Baz and Kim's, I just want to say from me and many in this room, 
to, to just thank you for your pioneering faith, for your courage, for your determination, for having kingdom eyes to see something that others couldn't see. And we know how much you have sacrificed, how much you have poured in. And I know that you guys would do it again because you know that the fruits of what you have done are eternal. And I believe that for many years to come, you will hear stories of lives that have been impacted because of the faith that you had to go, I don't have this and I don't have that, but this is what I do have and I offer it. And God blessed it. And we thank you. And I'd love everyone just to give them a big, a big hand and an act of appreciation. Um, we're inspired by that faith. And, and I want each and every one of us to, to have that disposition of, I don't have this. Well, I don't have a church. I don't have that, but this is what I do have. Um, and so, yeah, Kims, we will um, always remember um, the, the ways that you added your gifts with um, Byron, your lawnmower, um, and um, he would sometimes just arrive with his kids and just ride around and mow lawn, and um, Kimber, your delightful screeching laughter that we'll never forget, and throwing people into the back of the caddy, and your worship, both of you, and your coffee making, and just thank you for the gifts that you've used to add to love and bless this community. We love you guys, and we're grateful. Um, and so it went for a few years, and Olive Tree added a team uh, from Florida to strengthen it, and, um, and then there needed to be another change. And um, Ross approached me and said, would I be open to co-leading with him? And so for those who don't know, there was Sheldon and I prayed for two months, and, um, and I really did feel that God was saying that this would happen, but I didn't want to say it without Sheldon first hearing. And um, so one night we were in a meeting with a prophet and he said, there's a couple in this congregation who are praying about a move north. And, um, and God just wants you to know um, that the answer is yes. Now we had been praying for God to just drive conveniently a helicopter across the sky. They would just say yes. We just say, we just want a yes and then we'll know. And um, are there any children in the room? No, it's okay. I can say what Sheldon said le- yeah, next because it was the holiest thing he's ever said. So when Julian Adams said, <laughs> um, he, God just says, yes, Sheldon said, oh, crap. <laughs> Sorry. It's my last day. I can say bad things. <laughs> um, and he, he just knew that we were going on an adventure. And uh, so we went up to Julian afterwards just to make doubly sure that we had indeed heard. We said, we don't even want to tell you what, why we're here, but would you please pray for us? And he prayed over Sheldon and said that Sheldon was a man of deep integrity. And he prayed over me and he said he saw a picture of Mary um, and that there was something that had been conceived in one place and needed to be birthed in another. Um, at that point, Ross had been praying for somebody and he dropped this person like a hot potato and came over to listen because he knew that something was going on there. What we didn't know is, again, so now we, we hear this thing there. The night before, there'd been a leaders' meeting up in the North Coast, and um, a dear friend that many of us know, Greg Debeer, had been praying and had seen a picture of Sheldon and I as Joseph and Mary. So there was a word there and a confirmation here. And I'm saying this to remind you that God is in it. He's in all the details. And for Sheldon and I, it was such a gift that it was Joseph and Mary that he used. Because in that story, Mary kind of plays a very obvious calling role, but could not have done it without the love and support of Joseph. Um, and that's been, that story you know, has been a source of strength to Sheldon and I through this. So... Um, 
I got here, and to be quite honest, once I started to settle after quite a bumpy start, I started to worry about what I didn't have. I don't have silver and gold. I don't have a theological degree. I don't have a preaching gift. I don't have some important anatomy. Hashtag too soon. Um, but clearly, <laughs> but what I did clearly hear God say is, that's your pastor, and this community needs a pastor. And so I didn't focus on what I didn't have. I focused on what I did have. And I do believe that God used that for a season of healing and strengthening in this community as it was needed. Um, I know that also there is now this deep kingdom wiring inside of me for equality. And that's going to be a lot of what my next season will look like. I have no cooking clue what it looks like. But I know that God does. And that's enough for me. And for you guys here, I know that this has probably prompted some important questions and conversations. And I, I want to say to you, dig into the depths of those things. If you have questions, talk about it with one another. Ask. Um, it, it is the kind of thing that propels people into the Word of God to find out God's heart when there's something that we don't fully understand. And it is an incredibly deepening journey and experience. So I want to say do that. And you will definitely argue and you will definitely disagree with one another. But remember that love is not tested in agreeing, it's tested in disagreeing. So box it out and work out your convictions and let God tell you who he is through it all because that's the most valuable thing. Um, and so now we face this change again. And what I know is that we could look at it and go, oh, for the next season we don't have silver and gold. But what we have in this room is some of the most beautiful and incredible gifts that I've ever seen in my life. And so I want to take a moment to just talk about who's here and what gifts you have that you bring. Um, because I know that God is doing something exciting and something new here. So to start with, for the next season, um, there is a group of people who are going to carry the reins until God sends the next person. And so I'm going to start with that team. And Steve and Jess, heaven knows we haven't had an easy time. But I want to thank you for your absolute loyalty to Olive Tree Church and for how gently we've tried to navigate a difficult time. I want to thank you, Steve. The kingdom gift that you have inside of you is a relentless optimism. And it is beautiful and it is needed. And um, I believe it is, is your ability to see what God can do, to see the possible where others would only see the impossible. And this community needs that. And I want to thank you that we've seen it so often. And I believe it is a kingdom thing wired into you. Jess, um, anybody who's been around Jess just knows that she just walks in the world with a beautiful gentleness and yet also fierceness and I think that what I love about Jess is that she just wants to th see things improve she wants to see systems that make things work better and she just wants environments to get better and Jess is a gift to this community and I think you all know that um, the, the other couple who's going to be very much a part of just holding this forward is Sven and Jade, who I haven't known for long. But Sven, what I know of you is that you're a man of your word. And I know that people will find trust and security and safety in that. And I want to thank you for how you are getting alongside Steve. Um, Jade, if anyone's been in Jade's presence for more than 10 minutes, you'll know that she is ruthlessly honest. 
And that is a gift because you actually feel incredibly safe with it too because there's no guessing what's going on in Jade. It's on her face and out of her mouth and it's a gift. And with that honesty of Jade comes a deep heart of compassion. And so I know that she's going to be a significant gift in this next season. Trig and Bex aren't here, um, but I want to honour their faith and their faithfulness over the last season. Um, Trig is currently running a ridiculous amount of kilometres through the mountains. Has he finished? Okay. I wanted to read you a little um, proverb. Proverb 28 says, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. <laughs> and that's the power of a verse taken out of context, isn't it? <laughs> but it says also... But an honest person is as brave as a lion. And I believe Trig and Bex are incredibly brave people. They've, they've had to deal with a lot. And they have just shown steadiness. And Trig is just here. And he's poured his gifts into kids' church. And Bex, her gifts into worship. And they will be carrying the reins with, with uh, Steve too. And um, Carl and Mel aren't here today. But Carl and Mel are also just an incredibly steady, stable gift. And they have... God, all of us, these incredible opportunities to give to community beyond our own borders um, in the community of Wangu. And they will continue to bang that drum. And I want you to get on board and love and serve that community. It's good for them and it's good for us. So this group and cans will look after you as we wait to see what God is up to next. And remember, even as I said that, I'm just reminded of those words in that song that he's in the waiting. God is in the waiting. So I want to just quickly mention a few of the other kingdom treasures that are in this room. And I want you to know that um, I could speak about each of you for a very long time, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm just going to just give a word that God's put in my heart for each of you today to, to speak of the treasure that is left in the room, the thing that is much more valuable than ever, any silver and gold that will be served to build this community. So Darren, um, you have incredible resilience and humor that I think this community needs. And I believe those are both kingdom gifts that he's put inside of you. Jess, Adam, Bevan, uh, your commitment to just running what you do there with excellence in incredibly trying circumstances. Um, thank you for that. And your gift to the world, both of you, is creativity. Brian, uh, just the word I had for you is generational impact. I know that you've had a heart to serve our children, and I believe that you will speak in ways to generations. Dion Smith, Dion, look up. <laughs> look at me intently. <laughs> Dion, yo, this man has deep compassion, and he has a gift to teach in a way that will set people free. When he teaches, I want you to come and position your hearts to be set free. Thank you, Dion. Mervyn and Mari aren't here, but um, yeah, I, I'm not going to talk about the people who aren't here, but it was just such a joy to get to marry those two. They're an absolute scream. Tim, you, you show such incredible loyalty and willingness to learn and grow. It's been a blessing to watch that. Cindy, you are one of the most honest, no-nonsense people I know, and your care for others is absolutely obvious to anyone who's in your space. Dion Kruger, I love your different perspectives. And um, I want to say, guys, if Dion says something, he doesn't talk for the sake of talking. There's something important, and you must lean in and listen. Andrea, 
this lady here, guys, this woman has got a pastoral gift. I really think that that God is going to use your pastoral gift incredibly in this community. Um, Sebrin, your humor is dry, but I have loved it. It's a gift. Anna, you have the most beautiful strength and wisdom. And together as a couple, I know that you're called to see justice in this world. In your own way, I know that you have a deep longing for that, and that's wired into you. Um, Nick's not here, but Ren, I would love you to tell Nick that to me he's been one of the most astounding encouragers. And I would think everyone in this room has been encouraged by Nick at some stage. And Ren, you, my friend, are a truth teller, and you have a pure heart, and you also have such a wiring to see justice. Thank you. Um, Lisa and Rob, Rob, you are a David, and you face Goliath, and your kingdom strength to do that is the integrity that you carry. You're an incredible man. And Lisa, you can tell Lisa, please, just that her, her absolute kindness and gentleness to serve children is a gift to this community. Um, I think I've said everyone. Savvy, I've got Savvy. Pardon? Mark and Danny. Mark and Danny, I've got you. I've gone through my list. Mark, um, also your humor, but you have an unshakable faith that you, people can draw strength on from you. And Danny, you have a, a prophetic gift and you have a creative way of bringing that prophetic gift into the world. And I know that you're going to step into that in greater ways. Savvy, you have got such incredible faith. And I believe that that faith that you have is going to transform that little community around you. Yeah. And for some reason, I felt just to say, Savvy, you're my sister. Okay, I'm not your pastor. You're my sister. Um, can we call in, not you, Candy. Can somebody just go and grab the kids in the kids' church? Uh, because we just wanted to end with a song today that is really a song for generations. And I also just wanted to say a word or two to us and Ellie and Connie. Um, but while they're coming, I think the last one is cans. Candy. It's difficult <laughs> to find words to explain just who you are to me and what an absolute rock and a strength and a gift you've been. And I want everyone in this room to know that Candy has gone through some tough stuff and never once in my entire life have I heard her say anything dishonoring of anyone. In, in her telling of things that are really hard, she uses only the most gracious words. And she is absolutely, completely trustworthy. And Candy, you and I know, you and I know those moments that we've had together, but you have been an unbelievable gift to me in this last season and I want to thank you and I want everyone to give Cans a big hand, please. And also to say, guys, get around candy. There's like Mother's Day coming up. Organize a work party and make glorious things for the moms. And there's Father's Day coming up. Get around cans and, and make a work party and do wonderful things for the dads. But as you see things coming up, just give cans a buzz and get around to her in this next season.
I'd love you to do that. <laughs> and finally, I want to thank God. <laughs> um, the, this last season has just been peppered with the most incredible things, and my heart almost explodes. I know. Nolene, Nolene is new to the team, but I want to thank you that you, you just bring a serenity, a peace wherever you go. Asanele, you are a friend and you are faithful and you are a gift to the children that you work with. I want to thank you for that. And Connie, you've turned into a fierce, brave woman in front of my eyes and you are such a gift to this community and to these children and I want to thank you for that. So, yeah, guys, I could talk for days about what, is, what God has done here. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to. If you, if you want to have a coffee with me, have a coffee. But I know that because of this Olive Tree North Coast stories, lives have been changed. People have been healed. Faith has been restored. Relationships have been deepened. People have got near skin cancer making bacon rolls. Um, that's not funny. Sorry. I have seen people rally around and do incredible things to build and serve and love this community. And I believe that we'll see more of that going forward. We've had beautiful visits from people like Key of Hope, pastors from our other sites, Audrey Mboyazi, Raymond Menezes, Susie Tricky, Wild Times, Amor O'Kennedy, John Ellis, Justin Foxton, and each of these guys brought in and left their own little bit of the kingdom to add to all the little bits of kingdom that you guys already contribute to the story. We've had um, our own local people share. We've had Steve preach, Trigg, Wren, Kimber, Banger, Taryn, Dion. There is such kingdom value in this room. We've had beautiful Christmas shows. We've had some strange moments up here at Easter. We've had, there's photographic evidence. If you pay me, I can send it. Um, but I might have to get permission from some people first. But we've had magic times up here. We've had praise and prayers where lives have been changed. And I really just want you guys to share those stories in the next season. And to allow God to remind you of how your lives and other lives have been changed here. I really feel like um, there is a moment here today where there is this guy in the story sitting outside the beautiful gate and he thinks he's got a good deal there because of what people are bringing him. And there's a moment where two guys who carry the power of the kingdom look and go, no, there's something better. Get up. With the power of the kingdom, get up. And I think that this is a moment for all of us now to get up and to get involved with the next thing that God wants to do. You have what is needed for this story, and we're so excited to see what God's going to do next. And I think, Steve, are you going to come up and share a little bit of what the next might look like? And then I'd like to pray, and can we please end with, um, we're going to end with a song that I really wanted us to sing over this community. I won't sing, don't worry, that would not be a blessing. Thank you so much, Nat, that was beautiful. Um, I think there's lots that I could say. I could also talk here for a long time. My thoughts are all over the place, but so I hope this is cohesive and makes sense. But 
I think one of the things I wanted to start with with Nats was that courage. So I think there's a few very key thing, themes that have come through. The first is courage. The second is kingdom gifts and the opportunity to contribute. The courage that Nats has, um, there's a few gifts, but the courage that Nats and Shell have taken to lead this community in this time, to be attentive and listen to God's word, have faith to respond to it, is incredibly courageous. So I just want to also encourage you guys that that fire, that courage that is in you that, to trust in his provision, his goodness, that it will sustain, um, certainly pray that that fire doesn't go out, and I don't think it will anytime soon. <laughs> Shell's shaking his head, so that's a good sign. Um, so yeah, guys, for the next season, um, I'll tell you a little bit about my story very quickly. So for us, it was about what does this next season look like? Um, collectively, we're looking for a leader in this community. Um, we expect it to take a few months. And my personal story was, okay, well, looking over my shoulder and just really thinking about what God's got for us. And I felt over the last few weeks, despite what I can guarantee you was a lot of not me, Lord, like put someone else in that space. Um, God just saying to me, you've got what it takes. So as scary and big as um, tough as that is, just because I know what's already on our plates, it's the reality of the goodness of God's provision and the reality too that he's, he's given me what I need and he's given our community what we need. So for this next season, I'm encouraged. I'm full of faith. I'm open-handed that God's got us and he will continue to sustain us and he will lead us into a space, continue to lead us in a space of, of, of growing in health and growing in intimacy with him. So Nat's mentioned the team that will be around me in leading this. Um, it's people I trust. Um, it's people I love and people I continue to be encouraged to build really deep, strong relationships with. But I think more importantly with more importantly than that, it's I hope in sharing my story, batting or continuing Nats' theme is that it's an open-handedness, guys. The gifts that you've got, the talents, the promptings, in response to his calling, please. We we're doing this as a community, this is a team thing. Open-handed with God in charge. Um, and that's what I'm excited about most. Um, there are a few things that we're gonna do in the next few 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 weeks and few months. Um I think building on what Nat said um, and asking the questions about the tough discussions on authority and headship, what we'd love to do is have a family meeting. So in the next week or two, you'll see some comms going out and we want to have a family meeting where we just dig into the, the debate in a position that's honorable, that's vulnerable. Let's let's get around and understand. So Ross is going to come up and we're going to talk about it. And I encourage you guys to be there because for me, so much of this next season needs to be built on a position and a foundation of trust and um, trust and um, integrity. And for us to do that, the foundation needs to be real. I think a few words for me um, for the next season. I've shared the one about um, Joseph um, what I didn't say was that it wasn't about, it's not only about God intended for good, God was in it. That's the reality of that time. And so in the period where it was so tough for Joseph, he was in it. He didn't use it for good after the fact. He was in it and intended for good all the time. So that's for you guys and it's for us too. 
Um, another one um, is around the, the need to be authentic. Um, I think Olive Tree as a culture is about being real and authentic. It's being, about being vulnerable. Um, the real gifts that we've got in the room, um, a lot of it speaks to the need to be vulnerable and real in front of God and in front of each other. So I want us to be authentic in what we do. I want us to be simple. So it's a simple response to, Nat spoke about the Acts Church. It's, let's be simple in what we do. Love God, love people. That's it. If you, if you turn, turn behind you guys, the first one is enjoy God, second one is love people. If our next season can be defined around enjoying God and loving each other, we've done well. So let's just aim for that. Um, I spoke about the family meeting. I, we do have some other exciting stuff that we'll communicate over the next few weeks. We've got three more weeks of Acts Church. Dion will be preaching one. Really excited to say Ray will c come up and preach the other two. Um, and then we've got some other exciting stuff where, yeah, the, re the theme will be enjoy God, build an intimacy with him, love each other, and love other people enough to invite them into our space too. So that's it from me. Thank you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just, want to, I just want to thank you for this last season. I want to thank you, that um, God, for the tremendous honor and privilege it's been to be a part of this family. And Father, I just want to lift up this next season to you. I want to thank you for Steve and the team around him. And I pray that you would give them incredible wisdom and courage and strength and everything that they need for the season ahead. I pray your blessing over each and every person in this room. I pray your blessing over this community. I pray your blessing over every child in this room, these incredible, beautiful children who are going to change the world one day. And Father, I thank you that you have given us gifts in this room that speak of a richness and a wealth. God, we are reminded today that you are the God of the impossible, and we are reminded also, God, that you use all things for good. So thank you for this season. Thank you for these incredible lives in this room. And thank you for what you've done. And thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Amen.